surprise, this is ranking 76 on an off week. I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. We referenced Calamity Jane's autobiography quite a bit in her episode, and her autobiography is actually really short, so we thought it would be kind of fun just to read the whole thing, even though it's not exactly what you would call credible, but you very often, you don't very often get to read someone's own life in their own words in about 10 minutes, so... Yeah, you know, when you said, uh, when you asked me if I wanted uh, to do this, I was like, yeah, because during the whole the whole time you were doing her biography, I'm like, what does her autobiography say? Because it feels like it's just a big lie. So I'm excited to actually hear what, in her words, her life was. So to start off, this was written about 1896, and it was dictated. She didn't actually write it. She dictated someone, and this is directly so that she could sell it alongside her stage shows. So as she's going out to Buffalo Bill Cody, as she's staying. So think, and then she would also sell images of herself. AKA her merch table. It would be her merch table. She would be the rock band at the back of the stage or at the back of the auditorium selling their t-shirts and that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to tell you it's the flashiest story, not to give anything away, but again, it is her own words. Um, I'm going to, have a beer while I read off this story. I think she would appreciate that. And here we go. My maiden name is Martha Canary. I was born in Princeton, Missouri, May 1st, 1852. My father and mother were natives of Ohio. I had two brothers and three sisters, I being the oldest of the children. As a child, I had always had a fondness for adventure and outdoor exercise and a special special fondness for horses, which I began to ride at an early age and continued to do so until I became an expert rider, being able to ride the most vicious and stubborn horses. In fact, the greater portion of my life in these early years was spent in this manner. In 1865, we emigrated from our homes in Missouri by the overland route of Virginia City, Montana taking five months to take the journey. Well, on the way to the greater portion of my time, we were spending, uh, spent in hunting along with the men and the hunters of the party. In fact, I was at all times with the men, and there was excitement and adventures to be had. By the time we reached Virginia City, I was considered a remarkably good shot and a fearless rider for a girl my age. I remember many occurrences on my journey from Missouri to Montana, many times in crossing the mountains and conditions on the trail we were so bad that we frequently had to lower the wagons over the ledges by hand with ropes so that for they were so rough and rugged that the horses were no use we also had many exciting times fonding streams for many of the streams in our way were noted for quicksands and boggy places where unless we were very careful we would have lost horses and we would have lost horses and all Then we had many dangers to encounter in the way of streams, swelling on account of heavy rains. On occasions of the the kind of men that would usually select the best places to cross the streams. Myself on more than one occasion have mounted my pony and swam across the stream several times merely to amuse myself and have many narrow escapes from having both myself and pony washed away from certain death. But as the pioneers in those days had plenty of courage, we overcame all the obstacles and reached Virginia City in safety. 
My mother died in Blackfoot, Montana, 1866, where we buried her. I left Montana in Spring Mountain, 1866, for Utah, arriving in Salt Lake City for the summer. I remained in Utah until 1867, where my father died, when, then went to Fort Bridger, Wyoming Territory, where we arrived in May 1st, 1868, then went to Piedmont, Wyoming, to the UP Railroad. Joined General Custer as a scout at Fort Russell, Wyoming in 1870, and started for Arizona for an Indian campaign. Up to this time, I had always worn the costume of my sex. When I joined Custer, I donned the uniform of a soldier, and it was a bit awkward at first, but I soon got to be perfectly at home in men's clothing. Was in Virginia up to the winter of 1871, when during the time I had many great adventures with the Indians. For a scout, I had many dangerous missions to perform, and while I was in many close places, always succeeded in getting away safely, for by this time, I was considered the most reckless and daring rider, and one of the best shots in the western country. After the campaign, I returned to Fort Saunders, Wyoming, remaining there until the spring of 1872, when we were ordered out of the Muscle Shell, or Nursey Percy Indian outbreak, in the war of General Custer's, Miles, Terry's, and Crook were all engaged. This campaign lasted until the fall of 1873. It was during this campaign where I was christened Calamity Jane. It was on the Goose Creek, Wyoming, where it was the town of Sheridan is now located. Captain Egan was in command of the post. We were ordered to quell out the uprising of the Indians, and there were several and were out there for several days had numerous scourges during this, which six of the soldiers were killed and several severely wounded. When I was returning to the post, we were ambushed about a mile and a half from our destination. When fired upon, Captain Egan was shot. I was riding in advance and could hearing the firing turned around in my saddle and saw Captain reeling in his saddle as though I was about to fall. I turned to my horse and galloped back with all haste to his side and got there in time, catching him as he was falling. I lifted him onto my horse in front of me and succeeded in taking him to safety to the fort. Captain Egan, upon recovering him, laughingly said, I name you Calamity Jane, heroine of the plains, and I have been born that name up to the present time. We were there were afterwards ordered to Fort Custer, where Custer City now stands, where we arrived in the spring of 1874, remained around Fort Custer all summer, and were ordered to Fort Russell in the fall of 1874, where we remained until the spring of 1875, was then ordered to the Black Hills to protect miners, as that country was cold, controlled by the Sioux Indians and the government had to send soldiers to protect the lives of the miners and the settlers in the section. Remained there until the fall of 1875 and wintered to Fort Laramie. In the spring of 1876, we were ordered to the north of General Cook to join General Miles, Terry, and Custer at the Bighorn River. During the march, I swam the Platte River at Fort Fetterman as I was the bearer of important dispatches. I had a 90-mile ride to make. Being wet and cold, I contracted a severe illness and was sent back to General Cook's ambulance at Fort Fetterman, where I laid out at the hospital for 14 days was able to ride, I started for Fort Laramie, where I met with William Hickok, better known as Wild Bill. We started for Deadwood, where we arrived in June. During the month of June, 
I acted as a Pony Express rider caring for the U.S. mail between Deadwood and Custer, a distance of 50 miles, over one of the roughest trails in the Black Hills country. As many of the riders before me had been held up in robbery of their packages, mail, and money they had carried, for they had been the only means of getting mail and money between these points. It was considered the most dangerous route of all the hills, but as my reputation as a rider and a quick shot had well known, I was molested very little, for the toil gatherers looked on me for being a good fellow, and they knew that I had never missed my mark. I made the round trip every two days, which was considered pretty good riding in that country, remained around Deadwood for the summer, for all summer, visiting all the camps in the area with 100, within 100 miles. My friend Wild Bill remained in Deadwood during the summer, with the exception of the occasional trips to camps. On August, on the 2nd of August, he was sitting at a gambling table in the Bell Union Saloon in Deadwood when he was shot in the back of the head by the notorious Jack McCall, a desperado. I was in Deadwood at the time, and upon hearing the killing, made my way at once to the scene of the shooting and found my friend had been killed by McCall. I at once started back for the assassin and found him at Shirty's Butcher Shop and grabbed a meat cleaver and made him throw up his hands. Through the excitement of hearing Wild Bill's death, having left my weapons on my bedpost. He was taken to a log cabin and locked up, well secured, as well as everyone thought, but he got away afterwards and caught with Fagan's Ranch to Horse Creek at the old Cheyenne Road, where he had taken into Yankton, Dakota, where he was tried, sentenced, and hung. I remained around Deadwood locating claims, going from camp to camp, until the spring of 1877, when one morning I settled up on my horse and rolled towards Crook City. I had gone about 12 miles from Deadwood, and at the mouth of the Whitewood Creek, I met the two overland mail running from Cheyenne to Deadwood. The horse was on the run, with about 200 yards from the station. Upon looking closely, I saw they were pursued by Indians. The horses ran to the barn, as was their custom. As the horses stopped, I rode along the side of the coach and found the driver was John Slaughter, lying downwards at the boot of the stage. He having been shot by the Indians, when the stage he got to the station, the Indians hid in the bushes. I immediately removed all the baggage from the coach except for the mail. I then took the driver's seat with all the haste and drove to Deadwood, carrying out all six passengers and the dead driver. I left Deadwood in the fall of 1877 and went to the Bear Butte Creek of the 7th Calgary. During the fall and winter, we built Fort Meade at the town of Sturgis. In, 18, in 1878, I left the command and went to Rapid City for the year of prospecting. In 1879, I went to Fort Pier and drove trains from Rapid City to Fort Pier for Frank White and then drove teams around Fort Pierce and Sturgis with for Fred Evans. This teaming was done with oxen as they were better fitted for working than horses, owning the rough nature to the country. In 1881, I went to Wyoming and returned to 1882 to Mile City and took up the ranch at the Yellowstone, raising stock and cattle, also kept within a sad inn, and there were weary travelers that could accommodate the food, drink, and trouble if he had looked for it. Left the ranch in 1883 went to California, going through the states and territories, reached Ogden in the latter state of 1883, and in San Francisco, 1884, 
left San Francisco in the summer of 1984 for Texas, stopping at Fort Yuma, Arizona, the hottest spot in the United States. Stopping at all the points of interest until I reached El Paso in the fall. While in El Paso, I met Mr. Clinton Burke, a native of Texas who I married in August 1885, and as though I thought I'd traveled through life long enough, alone, I thought it would be about time to take a partner from the rest of my days. We remained in Texas, leading a quiet life until 1889. On October 28, 1887, he became, I became the mother of a baby girl, the very image of his father, as at least that is what he said, but with the temper of his mother. When we left Texas and went to Boulder, Colorado, where we kept a hotel until 1893, after which we traveled through Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and then back into Montana, then to Dakota, arriving in Deadwood on October 9th, 1895, after my absence of 17 years. My arrival in Deadwood, after an absence of so many years, created quite an excitement among the many people of the past, as it was to the extent of vast number of the citizens who had come from the Deadwood during my absence, who had heard so much of Calamity Jane and her adventures in the former years and were anxious to see me. Among the many whom I had met several gentlemen of eastern cities and advised me to allow myself to be placed in the public for such manner as to give people of the eastern cities the opportunity of seeing the woman scout who had been made so famous through her daring career in the west and the Black Hills. An agent of Cole and Middleton, celebrated museum men, came in Deadwood, through and solicited of the gentlemen who I had met there and the arrangement were to be made, placed before me, before the place in a public manner. My first engagement began at the Palace Museum, Minneapolis, January 20th, 1896, under the Cole and Middleton's management. Hoping that this little history of my life is interest to all readers, I remain here, as I remain the, in your older days, yours, Mrs. M. Burke, otherwise known as Calamity Jane. It's interesting that she uh, says she was in the military for quite a long time. In the military quite a long time? How many different places did I read off? <laughs> Not even that we mentioned in her episode, but now we're talking San Francisco, Texas, Arizona. She never stayed around anywhere. And wasn't she married multiple times? She was, but she only mentioned the Burke. It probably wasn't the uh, most attractive thing to mention that you were married multiple I times. <laughs> That's the bar talk. I do think it's also interesting that she never, she mentioned she was with Custer, but apparently she was known for telling, like, Custer would still be alive if I had been there. And yet she only says, yeah, I was with Custer. And then she goes into that Fetterman, like, then I was delivering letters and then I was sick for 14 days. And then she goes into, I met Wild Bill Hickok. So, like. That's funny that she also, like, was like, oh, yep, I was the one that saved, like, six people and brought the dead guy out. No, no, that was slaughter. Everyone was dead. Uh, she just brought the wagon back. She oh. saw the horse train being like pulled in after they were attacked, and then she brought everyone back in. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, we know. <laughs> she wasn't. She wasn't the one that found them. You never. Oh, I forgot my pistols because of the. Because of the news that he was dead. What was someone just outside yelling? Wild Bill's dead! Wild Bill! 
I mean, it got around. If you see, I mean, if when you watch Deadwood, because I'm, if you don't catch the bet, the bug to watch Deadwood, um, something's wrong with you. I think they do a pretty accurate representation of like Wild Bill is caught and just how fast that went around the town. Like it was a lot of like, oh my god, this legend just got killed in a bar what do we do? <laughs> like, how do we react? <laughs> um, so yeah, that part is very good. Uh, well, a spoiler alert for the TV show. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sure was. But I did also think it's interesting. She never once mentioned the bar, which isn't. I thought I was, I was going to bring that up too. Like she never talked about like anything to do with that. Right. Which isn't surprising. Cause again, like being married, more than once not the most attractive thing and it wasn't but she did bring that she she did bring up that she preferred men's clothing and stuff like it was more comfortable yes that she had no problem adjusting to men's clothing yep which i wouldn't i mean which i mean back in the day i i would assume wasn't like a very common thing i don't know have you seen women's clothing in this territory that had to be mental tor- that had to be actual torture. Oh, it looks it looked awful. It looks <laughs> awful. awful. They were in tight corsets. I'm so happy. I was just gonna say the corsets way alone would have been just terrible. <laughs> heat, oh Texas, oh and I'm just heat, oh. so happy I was born a boy. Yeah, and in the nineteen eighties. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Late nineteen eighties, still a millennial. But that was pretty. That was a pretty, pretty interesting read. Yeah, she, again, she was an ordinary person. It's it's funny that she summed up her own life though in two thousand words. Right. Well, it'd probably be, you know, fifteen hundred words more than I'd sum up my life. So, <laughs> and people bought this. So. Right. Yeah. And we're reading this. May, and it could have been one of. Yeah, we're still reading it today. So. 120 years after it was published. So who's to say she didn't leave a mark? Our ranking of her. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> she did well. She did positive. I, she did better than I would do on this podcast. Um, so anyway, I should probably mention, I originally got this idea because on YouTube, there's a bunch of audiobooks that are for free there. Uh, and then I did a little bit more research. If you su- type in LiveRevox Recording, they actually do a lot of free audiobooks of books that are in the public domain. I did just download their app the last week. Um, if you're looking for something to do, they are looking for volunteers. Um, we're obviously not getting, it's not an advertisement for them, but um, they're looking for volunteers. So maybe if you're looking to maybe practice some public speaking or you just want to you know spend some time reading some books you can volunteer and read an audiobook for them uh we'll leave a show note or we'll leave uh the link to their app in our show notes and then also um or if it's a little bit weird because i listen to a lot of audiobooks if it's a little bit weird to have a 30 something year old male read a female story we're actually going to link to the youtube video i listened to where i thought the narrator did a really good job so um, obviously if you just listen to this, you didn't have a problem listening to a male's voice, but, uh, there is going to be a link of somebody who volunteered for Liverbox and did that. So just wanted to shout them out. And like Eric said, at the beginning of the episode, this is just a bonus episode. We will be returning 
back to the regular schedule starting next week. So we just wanted to bring you something fun, and we hope you enjoyed it. As always, I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. And we will see you next time. Bye.